Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Savvy Business. Life Unscripted with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Hi, Ben. Hi, Claire. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting, a Life Unscripted for our Life After COVID series. I'm so grateful to have you both here. This is such a great topic that we're going to talk about um, because you've written a book and it has a very interesting story. You wrote your book post-COVID. It's leading beyond a crisis uh, that couldn't be more relevant to what people are going through right now and have been going through uh, the whole post-COVID life and how do we get started? How how do we push our businesses forward or reinvent our businesses if that need be? Uh, We spoke, Ben, before our interview, how you know, a lot of people just had to reinvent. Uh, but you have a very interesting story on how you both came to coming together and writing your book. Share with our audience a little bit about your backstory. Uh, ben, why don't you go forward? Sure. You know, Claire and I met through a mutual friend. What was it? December or January this year. I remember exactly when we met. And we were told that we would get along like hell on wheels. And sure enough, you know, that's exactly what happened. I mean, Claire, Claire's in New Jersey. I'm up in Vancouver, Canada. We've never met. We're doing the Harry Met Sally thing. <laughs> and Claire and I, you know, we're having some conversations about leadership and we were noticing that everybody's talking about the here and now. Everybody was talking about, oh my God, we're in a crisis. And, you know, what do we do and how do we act? And nobody was talking about what's next. Mm. Nobody was talking about, okay, you know, it's important. We need to take care of our people. Yes, we need to make sure we're safe. Yes, absolutely. No question about any of the things. But what's next? You know, where do we go from here? Because COVID's not going anywhere. I mean, remember in in March when we thought, okay, it's going to be two weeks. We're going to go home for two weeks. You know, we're going to be slightly inconvenienced. And in two weeks, we're just going to go back and we're going to go on with our lives. It never happened. Well, that never happened. (laughs) And, you know, so people have been for the last six months living with a Band-Aid on and a bunch of duct tape wrapped around everything. Mm. And our view was and is... Mm-hmm. that we need to keep one eye on the horizon. We always need to be looking up at this next because yes, things are going to change. You know, the life is dynamic. Things have always been dynamic. We are always living in a period of change. But if you're not focusing on that change, if you're not focusing on what's next, if you're not looking at about, okay, how do I adapt? How do I navigate? How do I look at, you know, and see what's coming up over the next hill? Yeah. We're going to be in trouble. So what we did is we created a 12-part podcast. Ooh. And that podcast series, the, the the shortest episode is about 20 minutes, and we did three that were about an hour long, and it ended up being six or seven hours worth of great material. Mm-hmm. And Claire and I looked at each other and went, there's a book in this. And we said, yeah. So we started, you know, transcribing and Claire, you know, you did the lion's share work. Thank God for YouTube that, you know, be able to download it and then edit it down. And we took a look at it and went, there is some amazing material in this. Why don't we do this as 
the conversation. So the book is, and I'll let Claire take it from here, but the book is really a conversation between Claire and I back and forth Hmm. about, you know, what we've experienced, what we think other people have experienced and, and how to move forward. So I'll let Claire take it from there. Yeah. yeah um, thanks for that that great lead in. You know what what's interesting is the whole the the creation story of this book, um, as Ben described it, and as I'm kind of hear, hearing him play back, kind of what we went through, um, is a little bit of us walking the talk, right? So so the the bulk of our conversation was around um, while it is necessary for businesses to focus on the near term firefighting, keeping the lights on, the people paid, you know, the, the workspace is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also incumbent upon leaders to continue to move forward and lead forward, um, you know, and, and plan for the future. And so, um, you know, the conversation, our, our original Get to Know You conversation that morphed into this 12-part YouTube series that then became this book um, really was kind of a you know, a a bit of that walking the talk ourselves saying, okay, there were certain parts of our own businesses that slowed down, that, you know, went from clients wanting to look, uh, you know, through a long-term lens to really sort of downshifting their work and their engagements with us. Mm -hmm. And rather than us just sitting there accepting that and hibernating along with them, we said, let's take this opportunity to grow our separate businesses but also collaborate on some other business, um, you know, in, in new and inventive ways. Mm-hmm. So it really, you know, it really kind of became a very practical application of what we talked about in, in addressing leaders and saying, you know, the, the, the really um, forward-looking companies use this opportunity to get creative, to pivot, and to keep their businesses moving forward. And that's, in fact, what, what we did through the, through the book. Yeah, I I love that, Ben and Claire. And it's interesting. I spoke to Ben just before we got started here. And one thing that um, came clear for me is some of the businesses doing best are the ones that aren't living in the past saying, oh, my gosh, everything's falling apart. The sky is falling. But the ones who immediately pivoted and said, "Okay, what do our clients need now? And how do we deliver it? And and That's one right. perfect example, I, I told Ben before our interview, a friend I know um, had all of her clients through a gym that she's worked at for 20 years, and she's known to get her clients through that space. And when we're on lockdown and we don't know when gyms are opening, she's like, okay, now what? And so she, she just had a conversation with her clients and said, hey, guys, I, you know, I, I want to work out with you. And they're like, so do we. So they've worked out a plan with all of her clients to meet on Skype and to continue the training with her clients. And now she's actually doing much better because she's not having to give that piece to the gym. So, you know, it's, I love that pivoting, that story of how she's like, okay, clients, I want to be here for you. How do we help you? What can I do for you now based on where we're at right this moment? Well, and I think there's some amazing stories of creativity that have come out and will come out of this. I mean, you take a look at the microbreweries. You know, the microbreweries were, you know, all set to fold. There was no question about it. They were going to they were going to fold because how are we going to get our stuff to the liquor store? How we can get ourselves to the restaurant? You know, nobody's buying blah, 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 blah. And amazing amount of liquor stores go, wait a second. The main ingredient in hand sanitizer is alcohol. We know how to fill bottles. We got the you know the equipment to fill the bottles. We certainly have the equipment to make alcohol. Mm-hmm. 
And it's amazing how many of these microbreweries turned around and said, okay, we can do small batches. Instead of doing small batches of alcohol, we'll do small batches of hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they may not have made as much as what they would have with the beer, but, you know, they were able to keep the lights on. They were able to keep the staff going. They were able to, you know, keep their customers and, and build a brand new audience. So there's going to be thousands of stories that come out of COVID mm-hmm. of people that sit there and said, okay, lemons, lemonade, which way do we want to go? Yeah, absolutely. And I think no matter what business you're in, there's ways to pivot in which gifts you have and what talents or services you have to provide to deliver it in a way that you can get it out there to people who need it. You just have to get creative and figure that out. Now, share with me when you got your book started, how the conversations developed and what you learned through your conversations together. Claire, you're up. Yeah, I, you know, I would say just just uh, in answering that question and, and a little bit of a follow on to, to what Ben just con- contributed, you know, the, the creativity that we business owners, especially entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business owners, founders, um, have to summon within ourselves to, to envision a business, to create that business, to build it, and then, of course, to, to grow and to sustain it, um, you know, is the, is the same creativity that is now called upon um, to do some of the things that we're talking about, you know, the, the microbrewing industry, perfect example of, of demonstrating flexibility and creativity. Um, and it really sort of highlighted for us through the conversation that, you know, in, in every industry prior to COVID, um, everyone had different mission critical skills. Mm-hmm. And what we've learned through COVID and what Ben and I uncovered in the conversations that became the book um, where that regardless of industry, what COVID has proven to us is that um, as, as professionals uh, in business, everyone now has two mission critical skills, and those are resilience and adaptability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's the, the businesses that um, survive this crisis, mm-hmm. the businesses that um, come out of this even stronger because they were able to summon and call upon that creativity. Um, you know, really demonstrated that supreme extreme resilience and adaptability as a business and as a collection of individuals. And I think, you know, going forward, it's one of the things that that Ben and I kind of struck upon was that's really the, you know, the must-have skills in the workforce going forward, even after COVID is so manageable that it is somewhat in our in our rearview mirror. Um, we are always now going to need workforces and individuals and leaders who are both resilient and adaptable. Yeah, because COVID is not going to be the last crisis we go through. It may not be worldwide. It may not be as dramatic as this. But, you know, we've had many. I mean, I've gone through four major, major catastrophes in my lifetime. I'm assuming this is not going to be my last you know, so the businesses that can sit there and say, okay, what did I learn from this? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been kicked in the teeth. I've been kicked to the ground. I got up. I dusted myself off. What did I learn from this that's going to make me better? And how do I adapt to be able to make sure this particular thing doesn't happen to me again? Something else is probably going to happen. But you need to sit there and say, okay, how do I move forward and how do I make myself better? How do I make myself resilient? I have a phrase that says the glass isn't either half full or half empty. It's refillable. Ooh. 
And if we take a look at the glass being refillable, you know, there's always new opportunities. There's always different things you can do. It's a matter of sitting there going, just because I've always done it this way doesn't mean that's the way we've always have to do it. And that, I think, is a skill that a lot of business leaders right now are either going to learn, are going to either adapt, or they're going to die. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that, Ben and Claire. It makes so much sense because I think right now what businesses can take away and employees is that adaptability and resilience that both the business owner and the people working for the business can be like, okay, what do I have to offer? And in a greater way, how can I help the company through this? Instead of thinking, I think what happens for a lot of people working in business is you get stuck doing things a certain way and you're like, well, I'm not used to doing something different, but you know, you can change it about and you can all decide to do something and bring your gifts to the table a little bit more differently to serve the clients and the company. And I think on that point, um, you know, we are, we are now in a world that better tolerates and, and encourages and empowers and enables Mm -hmm. that type of um, flexibility. And again, adaptability, you know, the, the, the big comparison that everyone has made to this global pandemic is the Spanish influenza of 1918. Well, you know, back then, over 100 years ago, the world was not as equipped to let businesses pivot, right? You couldn't go to a remote, virtually enabled workforce. Um, you know, all of, the, all of the industries were essential workers. Um, you know, you didn't have that luxury. The amazing thing about the time we live in now is, you know, global pandemic or no, we are in a time when business leaders and employees themselves can create the world they want to live in. And I'm not talking about artificial intelligence and alternate realities and all of that, but you know, we, we saw quite steadily the rise of the gig economy before COVID hit. And I think um, that was um, serendipitous in a way because the workforce is the modern company and the businesses that chose to see this as an opportunity to, to pivot and to do things differently and do them better um, had already started to avail themselves of this value of the gig economy, that not everyone has to be on the payroll, physically tied to a desk, physically attached to you know, your benefit structure, but that you could tap into different expertise as you need them from people that can play within their genius zone. And so I think, you know, it's, and, and full disclosure, I'm an eternal optimist. So even in the face of a global <laughs> pandemic, right, I'm going to look for what's the silver lining to this. Yeah. And that is definitely part of it is that we've got this opportunity to really create what that new reality is going to look like. There's a, there's a whole chapter, uh, became a chapter in the book. It was, uh, you know, a podcast conversation Ben and I had about, um, you know, and, and it came through this, this image of driving through a tunnel. So I'm in New Jersey, as Ben said. And uh, if you've ever had the experience of driving into New York City or any other major city where you have to get there by tunnel, you better be darn sure you know which turn you're going to make by the time you get to the end of the tunnel. You can't just come to a complete stop and then weigh your options, evaluate the benefits and, the, and you know, the pros and cons of turning left or right, and then make you know, a, a well-informed decision. You have to go in there with a game plan. Um, otherwise, especially in New York, you're going to hear about it from the line of cars behind <laughs> you, right? So um, it's the same thing here. We are um, coming to grips with the fact that COVID is not going away anytime soon, that we will have to live and work and operate alongside of it. 
um, for the near future. The economic effects of it will be, you know, will, will take years to really sort of um, play out. And savvy business owners have a decision to make. We are coming through the tunnel, um, you know, and, I, and I'm seeing this now. I have clients that are coming out of hibernation that all of a sudden they're saying, okay, Claire, we're ready to, you know, resume the long-term planning that we were talking about in January and early February. They've made a decision to turn right, not turn left back to, you know, the, the way things used to be. That ground <laughs> has permanently shifted. Yeah. Yeah. I Go, Ben. No, I just... It, I feel you had something to say there. Yeah, it was just interesting. When we're dealing with the gig economy, the other thing is to think of is that leaders are starting to think of things as task-based. Mm-hmm. instead of sitting there going, things have to be done because somebody's in the office and they need to have them done and I need to have them there from nine to five. They're saying, okay, we have an objective. Mm-hmm. The objective is this. We need to have this solved. We're going to hire somebody to do that particular task and we're going to empower them to do it. And as long as it's done by the time that we need to have it done by and it's done correctly, we don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be done from nine to five. It doesn't have to be done from eight to four. The person can do it at three o'clock in the morning while I'm sleeping as long as it's done on time. And I think that that's the major shift that is, that is happening. and has to happen Mm -hmm. that we need to sit there and say, we need to get away from micromanaging. We need to get away from managing people and get into leading people, you know, and we manage process and lead people. And I think that that's the di- the huge change that has to happen. Ooh. Ooh, that you hit on something very, very important, Ben. Uh, one thing I saw, I've worked as a consultant for many years in offices. And one thing I've seen is, is a lot of the uh, manage- management will be like, oh, everything's great. And I'm like, then why am I here? Uh, but then the employees <laughs> will be like, they won't let me do my work. Now, um, vice versa, I will see employees who are there, like you were just saying, for eight hours when they really do not have enough work to fill no. their job. And or, they're, or they're very good at looking busy. Looking busy, yeah. Right. And I, I don't know where I saw this report, but it was said that most employees could get their job done in probably about six hours, if not less. Mm-hmm. And so they're having to figure out how do I look busy for the other several hours and look bored? What time do I leave? And, and that's really not healthy for the business and not healthy for the individual. And what's great, what you're mentioning about the gig economy is it allows workers to also use their talents in a greater capacity, maybe work in a couple of different places, but make their own schedule, which is highly empowering for them too to be home with their kids, maybe to have more of a life at home, less travel, perhaps really to just call their own shots a little bit, be kind of their own business owner. Yeah. And, and, it's, yeah. A, and it's a huge, it's a huge shift, right? Because as Ben, as you commented, um, it, it's, it's also a shift from managing people to leading people, but it is also a shift from managing by objective to managing to an outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big difference, right? We had seen that shift to assigning objectives, managing expectations, being clear about that. Now, if you think about, um, you know, empl- even full-time employees from a more gig economy perspective, it shouldn't be, uh, you should not be penalized if you're so good and so effective and efficient at your job that it takes you less time than the next person mm-hmm. to achieve the outcome that you desire, right? Mm-hmm. So being tied to, well, you have to give me eight hours is such an antiquated industrial revolution era mentality. 
And if we think of, you know, the new economy, the gig economy, and look at workers based on the talent they bring, the contributions they make, and, you know, the degree to which they help us move the needle toward our mission, Mm. it shouldn't matter if it takes them eight hours, six hours, or two hours. It really should matter, have we aligned them between what is their genius zone and how we can tap into those strengths to really become, you know, a bulletproof business that beats the competition. And it's that kind of mind shift as well that I think a lot of business leaders, um, the, the savvy ones, um, you know, are, are really starting to, uh, to kind of get keen on. Yeah. I, I and it's, it's a tough, and it's a tough thing for most leaders to make that shift right now. Oh Yeah. And that's, that's where, you know, Claire and I are probably going to be busy for a number of years. Yeah. Now, know, why do you think it's hard, Ben, for some people to make that shift? I, I think because that's the way they were taught. Mm-hmm. You know, and the problem is people are set in their ways. People are used to doing things a certain way. People are used to sit there going, well, I had to come up through the ranks. I had to work 12-hour days. I had to do this. You know, I didn't have this newfangled internet thing imaging. I didn't have social media. You know, we had to go out there and actually make 50 cold calls a day. So what, you know, when you, when you look at a sales rep and go, why isn't they making 50 cold calls a day? It doesn't look like they're doing anything. But actually what they're doing is they're using technology to their advantage to be able to communicate in the way that their clients or their potential clients resonate with. And because we don't under something that we don't understand, we're fearful of it. You know, it's change. People are scared of change. And if we can't communicate the why behind the what of the change, Mm -hmm. we're in serious trouble and -hmm. people need to understand, listen, we're coming back to the office. This, this, and this have changed because of COVID. You know, there's policies that have changed. There's procedures that have changed. Our clients have changed. Our objectives have changed. Our purpose has changed. Some things are big that change and some things that have are small that change. But if we're not able to communicate the why behind it, people are not going to get on board with those changes and they're going to try to go back to the way they always did. And that's how businesses are going to fail. Yeah, I, I can totally see what you're talking about here. And if, if people are willing to look at what how we can use technology to our greater advantage, a good point to this, uh, many years ago when I first started my biz, I liked phone calls. So I listed only a phone number on my website. And someone said they were angry because they wanted to email or text me and they didn't have the option. And I said, well, just eat, you know, just give me a call and leave a message. Like, I don't like that form of communication. Like a lot of clients today, they don't want to be talking by phone. I want you to text me or I want you to email me. And so, you know, then I learned, okay, give the client what they need. What's the best form of communication that works for them? And maybe sales wise, it's having some conversation via text or email, and then possibly later down the line in person. But, you know, dealing with your client and meeting them where they're at. It's, it's one of uh, Ben, I think it's either chapter one or chapter two that we that we bring up a, a really sophisticated topic called stupid simple. Yes. Um, yes, it's very really technical. Like it's right out of technical. the gate, we went, we went highbrow, super sophisticated. And it's around that concept, right? It's let's not overcomplicate, um, you know, how we enable people to um, connect with customers, deliver the product or service, you know, to delight their expectations and make processes stupid simple. It's one of the shifts that I think a lot of companies have seen as they, you know, 
every company that I've talked to in the last five years has talked a good game about we're going to shift to remote work and flexible work and telecommuting and sharing and yada, yada, yada. And it's never been a good time for them to pull the trigger. Well, in walks COVID, right? And now all of a sudden there's this forced pivot. But what they're finding is their employees are happier. They're mm-hmm. more productive. They're Help able you. to cut out their commute, right? They're healthier. They're more positive. They can balance the needs of, you know, this whole work-life balance thing that's been a myth, you know, perpetuated for decades mm-hmm. is now finally somewhat achievable for most people. Um, I mean, let's not cast any illusions. There are some people that are struggling with trying to work from home and balance, you know, especially as their kids are going back to school and, you know, some are not going back physically, they're, they're just going back virtually, et cetera. Um, but for the most part, employers are pleasantly surprised that this shift to remote work, number one, has increased productivity. And number two, was not the big difficult thing that they had been, put, you know, fearing and been putting off for five years, right? So or you, know, you kind of come back to, or or, yeah. or ten or longer. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you come back to this concept of why is it difficult for, um, you know, companies to kind of shift toward looking at their their workers more as gig workers and mm-hmm. you know, kind of lining them up with with the talent and managing to outcomes and not to hours. Um, part of the reason is again they overcomplicate it, right? So they think. Um, well, to do that, we would have to throw out every one of our systems in terms of, you know, how we mark time and how we compensate and how we do this. Um, it, it's similar to the conversation I've had with just about every CEO who comes to me with the same complaint, which is, I can't get my folks to collaborate effectively. What's the secret? Mm-hmm. And the first question I ask all of them is, how are you incentivizing them? And then mm-hmm. I get that deer in the headlights look because they're incentivized, you know, they, they demand collaboration. They demand cooperation with each other. They want them all to get along, but they incentivize them and reward them and compensate them to achieve individual targets. Mm. And so when I say that and they go, Oh yeah, right. That makes sense. Their, their next fear is that I'm going to advocate that they completely throw out their whole compensation system. And that's not necessarily what's needed. You first have to shift the mindset, the attitude, and you've got to start that from the top. So if leaders just kind of get on board with, we'll figure out the nuts and the bolts and the steel girders and the rebar that's going to be required to support, you know, a different way of working, get out of your own way and have a real conversation around what is going to put our people, our business, our company in the best position to win Mm-hmm. over the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once we figure that out, then you can figure out how to support that structure. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the big the big thing that uh, I'm hearing from a lot of leaders is about the gig economy is oh good, we can get things cheaper. <laughs> and you know the word cheap is a scary word. It is. Yeah, yeah. because cheap does not imply quality. Mm-mm. It doesn't imply that it's that, it's, that there's customer experience or customer service. It's just low cost. Yeah. And there's nothing to do with it. And I tell people, I says, why would you want to go bargain shopping right now? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to spend the time and the energy to find the best people who can do what you need to do? And maybe they're in Malaysia. Maybe they're in the Philippines. Maybe they're down the street in Houston. Maybe they're in New York City or, or Vancouver, Canada. 
but go find the best people that are going to provide that amazing customer experience, not only internally, but externally, because that's your brand. Your brand is how people you know, perceive you when you're not in the room. And those people, no matter where they are, are the ambassadors of your brand. They're the ones that are going to have people decide whether you are a valuable corporation or you're just somebody to be ignored. And if you're going bargain shopping, if you're just buying the cheapest people, guess what? They're not going to work as hard. They're not going to be as qualified. They're not going to be as elegant and be able to provide the solutions that your clients need. And therefore your brand is going to suffer and you're just going to become a commodity. So we need to sit there and think about the gig economy is not going cheaper. It's going out finding the best people. Yeah. And it's also just revamping and looking at, okay, how do I strategize and maybe um, pivot? But it doesn't mean throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Absolutely. Claire was just saying. Absolutely. There's a lot of great talent out there. And if you're just looking for cheap, well, you know, you get what you pay for. And uh, not to say that there are some people who work for uh, maybe – less salary that wouldn't be phenomenal, but are they, like you said, what your client need in order to be fulfilled? Uh, You know, we could go on so much longer here. It is such a fascinating topic. And I know one that will help a lot of our audience, but I don't want us to leave without them finding out how they can get a copy of your book and find out more about you. How can they do that? Well, the book is available on Amazon. It's available on Kindle. It's available on paperback. And you could go basically Amazon anywhere in the world we've set it up. So it's leading beyond a crisis, a conversation about what's next. It's got a bright red cover with a white, white, white writing, hard to find, you know, hard to miss. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, you know, so pick up a, pick up a coffee. Yeah, and you guys were so gracious as to offer our audience the first chapter for free. So uh, we have the bit.ly um, on the show page. So everyone just go there, check out the first chapter. You're going to love it, and you're going to want to buy the whole book. But uh, thank you so much, both of you, for coming to Savvy Broadcasting tonight for our life after COVID, post-COVID, to get everyone up there and get their business rolling again. Thank you so much, Ben, and thank you, Claire. Thanks for having us. Thank you. If you like this episode, please share. To hear more savvy episodes and savvy biz tips, go to lifeunscriptedradio.com. To become a guest or participate in paid sponsorship, email us at christinalifeunscriptedradio.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.